Well, you may be seated. God is good, and we're headed toward the end of this particular series as we head toward Christmas. You know, there were four parts, and it started with joy, and then it went to love, and then we went to light, and today we get to, to culminate, or we get to end talking about the life that Christ came to give us. You know, it said last week, and just to recap for just a moment, if you weren't here, in Isaiah 60, it says, Arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen. And it's this idea that says that, that the world is in darkness. And it goes on and it says, Great darkness or deep darkness, the people. And we shared last, last week about the light of God. That came after the love and the joy and the fact that, that He is with us and He is here. And that in this place, He tells us to arise and to shine. That it doesn't matter what you're going through. In the Amplified Version, it actually said, Arise from the depression and prostration in which your circumstances have kept you in. Rise, it says, to a new life. That we rise and we shine the light that God has put on the inside of us. But then it says and goes on, just like the other two things that we talked about. There's a second part to this. There's there's another thing. Jesus came to bring it into the world. He gave it to us and then he asks us to shine it as well. He brought joy into this world, and he gave us his joy so that our joy would be full. Then he asked us to go out and be a joy in this world. Same thing with his love, and now with his light as well. And that with his life that he's planted in this earth, he's given us this this freedom. He's given us this doorway. He's given us this opportunity to walk in this new life. Don't we say we're born again? So he's given us a new life, a new start. We say that all the time. And now in this life that he's given us, just like the other three, he doesn't ask us to just hold on to that. He actually commands us to give that away everywhere that we go, to not hold those things into our life. In John, we read this last week, and I want to just recap here in John chapter 1. And it's just the beginning, right as Jesus was getting ready to come into the world. And John starts and really begins to describe who Jesus was as he came into this world, as he became flesh. And says, in the beginning, the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word, and it says, in the beginning, I'm sorry, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And in the beginning, he was with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. But in verse 4, it says, in him, and he's speaking of Jesus, he says, in him is life. And the life was the light of men. We used that last week as we talked about light. But the idea is that Jesus came into this earth as life, the very life of God it was in his body in this earth now they were three they were the spirit they were the son and they were the father so they were together and the three were one but jesus came into this earth as a human being just like you and i but he was a little different at that moment than anybody else in the world why because the life the very life of god was alive on the inside of him but it wasn't alive on the inside of anybody else That was really truly why he came, to take that seed of his life, to plant it in the earth. And what happens when you plant a seed? It grows up a harvest. And who is the harvest of that life? We are. That we have risen now to a new place and to a new life. It says that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. What do we say about about being born again? When we come to Christ, we say that their spirit man is alive unto Christ. Sometimes when I talk about it and I share in, in determining divine direction in VBI, I say that the light comes on on the inside of you. Why? Because the life of God comes on the inside of you. That's why when Pastor Bill says the flowers smell different, the birds chirp different, all that kind of stuff, what, what is different? The very life of God, the life that was in Jesus Christ is now in you, alive in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is a miracle. 
And that's why Jesus came. That's why he was sent into this earth to be in that manger. In John 3, he told Nicodemus, he said, he said Nicodemus, because everybody came to Jesus with this, with this same question, how can I have what? Eternal life. Nicodemus did, the rich young ruler did. I mean, people came to Jesus, the man when they're talking about the good Samaritan, you know, when that story came out, that man came to Jesus and asked the same question. How can I have eternal life? The problem in the world today, people when they go to a funeral and there's death, the problem isn't the fact that somebody died. The problem is they don't know what to do with that thought that this person is dead and they don't know where they are. It's not necessarily, there's a grieving process that goes on that says, I miss you, you have passed away, you were part of my life. That's normal and that's natural. But that thing that lasts for years after is a tormenting spirit that the enemy uses that says, where are they? What's going on? What happened to them? Sorrow comes in all of these things. We live forever, regardless of if you know Jesus Christ or not. See, here's the thing that we have to understand. We live forever regardless of whether we have Jesus Christ or not. The difference is the destination. See, where are you going to be? And I would have a difficult time. As Woody Woodson says all the time, I don't do funerals of unsaved people. And he said, what is there to celebrate? They're going to spend eternity in hell being tormented. That's difficult. But what's different about us? We don't have, we're going to live forever. We, our bodies will pass away. There, there will be death to this flesh. It will go and it will be in that grave. But as Pastor Bill says, don't weep. Celebrate for him. Aunt Chris is already preparing her funeral. She's already working on the, she's already got a set list. She's already got the songs done. She doesn't want anybody else to sing them. Somehow between now and then, she's going to do it all herself. So it will be a party. We'll have to have it someplace on a big screen TV and we'll just be entertained by Chris as she is going on to be with Jesus. Now, why can she be so excited? See, why, why was Nicodemus so confused? He came to Jesus with a simple question. How can I have eternal life? And he said, here's the situation. Unless one is born again. And he said, I don't understand that. What do you mean born again? He said, no, 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 not born of water twice, but born of water and of the Spirit. Unless you do that, then there is no opportunity for you to have everlasting life. Why? Because Jesus came to bring that life. And the only way, as he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the what? The life. No man can come to the Father except through who? Him. See, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him will not perish but have everlasting what? Life. He's explaining to Nicodemus, this is the truth and this is the way. It's brand new and it's different than what you've ever experienced before because I am brand new and I am different than anything you've experienced before. I am in this earth now and I have life. And when I die on that cross and when I am resurrected on the third day, that life will be released by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I said I'm going to bring to you Am I preaching a little bit much? Okay. I'm going to bring to you the power. I don't know. It's not anywhere on the notes, Selma. Sorry. But he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit brings what? Life. Yes, he brings power. Yes, he brings the joy and the love and the life. Yes, he brings all of those things that come with it. But the most important thing that he brings into our world is life. Why? Because without it, you have the wrong destination. See, Christmas is about a baby being in a manger, but it's about the fact that Jesus is here to bring life to us. Christ is with us. Oh, man. Christmas presents and trees and all the good. I mean, Merry Christmas. Yeah. I have no idea where I am. John 17. 
I, I, you know, it was I, I, the whole time. You know, I mean, I've just been this this life part. I, I, I'm all about joy. I'm all about joy. I told Elizabeth, it's just joy, joy, joy. Christmas about joy. When I had, get joy, I bought a, I bought a lighted penguin. I have a Christmas penguin now, and my I, I just why because he made me happy when I looked at him. I smiled, so I said, I gotta have that. So we, we were shopping with with the Kent kids and doing our thing and, and doing some stuff. And I, I saw the penguin. And so there we went, pushing our cart through Menards with a big penguin in it. Why? Because it brought joy. It made, made me smile, made me happy. If you can't be happy at Christmas, then what's the problem? See, we can be happy all the time. See, love. I, 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 I try to walk in love everywhere that I go. You know, I spent a few, a few days away this week. And really, what God began to show me and stir in me was the things that I was talking about, the joy and the love and the light in my life. All the situations and circumstances haven't beaten those things out of me, but I've been so focused on all the other stuff and trying to figure out things. Sometimes we let go of those, those pieces. Those are the things that define me. Those are the things that define you, his joy, his love, his light, his life that's on the inside of you. When you walk away from somebody, what do you want them to say about you? See, what do you want them to feel? What, what do you, when you leave somebody, you want them to be grasping for more. Why? Because that's, that's what's on the inside of you. And in our life, when we neglect that, in our life, when we look at our, our situations or our circumstances or we focus on our, ourselves or our kids or our, our things that are happening, as we look around at all those things, those things begin to dim. And sometimes we're not leaving with somebody else grasping. We're leaving and somebody else is pushing us away. And really the things that God spoke to me over this week, a lot of them had to do with you, you, you're going to have to come back and be you again. You know, you've got to be you. And, and really, truly, I, I, try to, I try to be somebody who walks in love, who shares the life and the love of God everywhere that I go, just like you do. We're no different. That's who we are. Many of us were raised and brought up in this church spiritually. And so those things are on the inside of us, been planted on the inside of us. Jesus in John chapter 17, this is him praying. And it wasn't just the fact that he was born into this earth, and we've talked about it. He was born in a stable, and that was where the sacrifice was born. And he was born here to die. He was born here to bring life, but the only way for that life to transfer from God to him to us was for him to die on the cross as a sacrifice and shed his blood. And when that blood was shed, the covenant opportunity for covenant was made, and then we now have the choice to make whether we're going to join and be a part of that covenant or not. But without that death, it wouldn't have happened. And here he was praying in the end. And Jesus was really praying for himself. And it says, Jesus spoke these words in verse 1, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son might also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So he says, as you have given him, it's talking about himself, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should or I should give eternal life to as many who have, have you have given him. Well, who are the ones who he has given? Us. Us in here and us out there. And he was coming with enough life for everybody. At that moment, at that time, and from every year and every day since. Every person that's been born, there's enough grace. Every person that's on this face of the earth, there is enough love. Every person that's out there, there is enough joy. And here's the situation. We have it all, and we have to share it. And in the world today, we, that's a difficult thing for us to, to, to take in, whether it's money, whether it's talent and gifts, whether it's joy, love, light, or life. When we think about giving out many times, we think in the natural of depleting ourselves. But truly, when we give out this life, like Jesus said, I have come to give my life, and this, this is going to provide eternal life for 
for all those that you have given me. That's all of us. That means it's not going to run out. It never did. It never has. And it never will. And what he's given you and planted in your life, it will never, it will never de- deplete. It will never go down. You will never lose it if you give it. See, you'll never be without if you give it. If, if we are givers in this church, and, and we, we are given all the time. And we are standing on the word with you. We're standing in the word for this church. We're standing on the word that we will never be depleted. We will never have less. We will never not have enough. That we, God will always make a way because we are giving in faith, being led by the Spirit of God. And as we do that, He continues to funnel His, his presence. He continues to funnel His joy, love, light, and life. He continues to funnel His finances. He continues to funnel His healing. He continues to funnel His goodness. He continues to funnel His abundant life our way. That's who we are. And that's when when Christmas comes. That's a big message to put into one little baby's package, but that wasn't just any baby. So he said he came to give us life in John 10.10. And not just normal life, not just regular life, not just existence. The world sees life as the natural body living on this earth, and then sometimes they see death as a real situation and a real issue because that body's not living anymore. Well, that's true. The flesh is gone, but that person is still alive. And it says, he came that on this earth we would have, not just in heaven we would have, but on this earth we would be, it would be available to us and we would have an opportunity to have the abundant life. Yes. See, not to be contained. I, I shared a, a message. I don't remember when it was. It was about a box and living inside the box and thinking outside the box and living outside the box. The world cannot contain God's life in you. The enemy cannot contain God's life in you. The abundant life that God has for you is bigger and greater than any situation or circumstance that you face today, you will face tomorrow, or you have faced yesterday. His abundant life is that big in your world. Contain means to prevent, to limit the expansion, influence, or success of something. Now, really, truly, that goes against the grain of what God has told us and showed us in His Word because He has talked to us about progression and going from glory to glory and about growing in Him. He didn't say there's a stagnation point. He didn't say there's an ending point. He didn't say you have finally made it. He doesn't say that it's over for you. He said you continue to grow and you continue to increase and you continue to go forward. His word doesn't say that if you give, you will be depleted. His word says that if you give, it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give unto your bosom. We always think about giving scriptures as financial, but I am telling you, there are, other, there are other implications in those giving scriptures. This is not just about a financial principle of you giving your money and people giving back to you. This is the principle about you seeding your life into this earth as Jesus did, and then that life being poured back into you. Now, money we go with. Finance, when we talk about finances, we understand that. But then we never go back to those scriptures and we think about them. When I began to, to, God began to share this with me, the joy and love and light and life, it was this idea that he came into the world to be those things. He came in the world to bring them here. And then while he was here, he died on the cross. And then he had the Holy Spirit whom he sent in his place to believers so that he could transfer those things to us. Not so that those things could reside on the inside of us and just live with us and within our household and within our home. But the whole thing that really clicked for me and the thing that made this thing really work was this idea that said, our job then is to be the giver of those things in this earth. That we are the biggest and greatest. Pastor Bill has said it for years. We are, we are supposed to be the biggest and greatest givers in this earth. Everywhere we go. And now we are to start grabbing our wallet. Now it's not about a pocketbook. It's about a way of life. I, I, I just, it, 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 just, it just all of a sudden, you know, I, I shared a message just a couple weeks ago too. 
about living to give and planting your life as a seed and participating. It was on a Wednesday night. If you haven't got that message, you probably need to check it out. It's online too at victorylafayette.org. You can find it there and download it. But it was a message really that talked about the idea that seed time and harvest was God's idea. And we talked about finances in that particular night. And I hadn't talked and shared much about finances in the year that I've been pastor, that we've been doing this. But I, I just felt to do it that night that we need to be a participant in the harvest. That if we don't plant seed, if we don't financially plant seed into this earth, we have no reason to stand and to claim, like it says in Philippians 4.19, that my God shall meet all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And I don't want to hurt your feelings today, but what I want to show you is that Paul wasn't just writing to anybody and just said, just claim this scripture out of context. What he was saying was he was talking to the Philippians and he said, I don't seek your gifts. I don't seek the things that you have, but I am very glad that you have been involved in my ministry. Now I'm talking about it maybe in, the, in, the, in our century type world. I'm very glad that you've been involved in my ministry. And because you've been involved in my ministry financially, you can stand rest assured and trust that God will meet all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. It wasn't just a portion. It wasn't just a scripture that we grab and we hold on to. It was the fact that there were doers of the word that he was speaking that promise to. That if we would go ahead and we would, we would go ahead and plant that seed, then he would bring those things back. We should sing that song. What was that song? He's calling. He's here. He hears you. What was the, the cell phone Christmas? It's the wrong Christmas, Miriam. We were just, it was just a couple years too late. That would have been good. He can hear me now or can you hear me now? That was, yeah. It was a couple years ago. We had everybody got cell phones when they left, little paper cell phones. It was just kind of nice. But in, the, in that particular message, it was an idea that seed time and harvest is real. See, in John, it says that in John 17, Jesus was praying those things. But if you look in John 12, he says, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And this moves on from a financial message into a message about your life and about the things that are on the inside of you, whether it be joy, love, light, sure. But the life of God that he's planted on the inside of you, you are the one that holds that seed that will reap a harvest of everlasting life in the lives of the people that you plant it. And if we don't plant our seed, then how can we truly expect that, that seed to come to harvest? I know it says that he has come, Jesus has come. To give us life and life more abundantly. That abundance is excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above, profuse, extraordinary. See, he's come to give us that life. But everything else in the word of God is a condition and a promise. When it comes to giving and it comes to planting seed in our life, and we talk about the the scriptures that say, "My, my storehouse will be full and the window of heaven will be open. He'll pour out a blessing I cannot contain. It has to do with a condition. See, when when we begin to talk about the things in the Bible, there's promise and condition. He is a God of promise, yes, but he's also a God of condition. And if you meet those conditions, then he will fulfill the promise. But when it comes to everlasting life, when it comes to this excessive overflow thing, we don't go there and we don't think that way. How about this? What about this thought that says, if I were to absolutely plant my life, the life of God that he has given me, that he has put on the inside of me, if I would plant my life like it says Jesus does right here, if a grain of wheat does not fall into the ground and die, then how can it produce a harvest? What if that, that excessive, abundant, overflow type, everlasting life, this not the everlasting part of being with him forever, but this abundant life that says it's above, it's excessive, what if that is time? to the fact that we are going to plant our life into this world financially it's true with the promises and conditions of god it's true and i tell you it's true too with this because it says in the word of god that we can't come to him unless we lay our life what down that we have to first give it says god so loved the world that he first did what gave jesus 
And he said the promise of the everlasting life is there, but only if we do what? If we die to ourselves and we pick up our cross and do what? Follow him. So there is a dying to flesh. There is a you going into the ground. But then how about this idea and this thought that says, what if that continues on for a while? Whatever a man sows, it says in Galatians chapter 6. Whatever a man sows, this he will reap. In the Message Bible, it says, don't be misled. No one, it says, makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvest a crop of weeds. And all he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, it says. It says the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life, that there's a harvest attached to you planting yourself. After Jesus said that in verse 24 of John 12, in verse 25 he says, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Not meaning that he won't, you won't, he won't ever have an opportunity to be who he called you to be, that you won't ever have an opportunity to see your dreams fulfilled, you won't get to do the things you want to do. Not that. This isn't about stuff, it's not about things, it's about the attitude of the heart that says, I'm going to live my life to serve you, to plant myself into this earth. You know, this life we talked, or this, this, this year we've talked since January. In the beginning of the year, Pastor Pam had a word in December last year, and I asked her if we could share that and continue that word as we went into January. She felt it was for this year for the church. So I shared it in January, the very first service in January, and it was about really truly the manna of God and us living in this world, trusting and relying and needing Him, that we wake up every morning that He will pour out what we need for today. Now, why does he teach us that way? Why does he show us that? Why does he lead us for a year in this message and in this word that says, I'm going to have to trust you and rely on you so that our faith grows and knows that he will pour out a blessing for us? That as we go day to day through January and February and April and we go to August and we go to July or go to (laughs) August to July, August to October to December, as we go through there daily seeking God and sometimes we miss it and we don't make it. But I'm telling you, in those days when you wake up and God pours out to you what you need for that day, then tomorrow, man, you are a different person. Why? Because your faith is growing. Now, why is he doing that? Because I believe in this next year as we go into January, and I won't preach that message today, but I'll preach it in a couple weeks, but it's going to be this message that says, do what you can with what you have. Now it's not about just receiving from God the manna from heaven, but what we have done in a year is trained ourselves to follow after him, and we've trained our faith to rise up to the point where we can say, God will provide for me. I don't have to worry about it. Tomorrow when I walk out of my house, there's going to be manna all in my yard. And so I'm going to take up what I need today. And as I go out now, the next step is I'm going to give of what I have to the people who are around me. But now this whole idea of trusting God, I know that I'm not worried about tomorrow like it says. See, Matthew 6, it says in verse 25, Is not life more than clothing? Is not life more than food? Is not life, now I add a little bit, is not life more than shelter? Is not life more than the things that you see? Is not life more than those? He says life is not, there's more than those things. That's when he begins to talk to them, begins to share, and he says, don't worry about it. Well, how can you get to the point where you don't worry about it? Because you've lived a year of manna. 
You've, you've lived a year of God coming through day by day. You've lived a year of God saying, I'm going to do this. Now, the children of Israel, they wandered around the desert forever trying to learn this. We're smarter than them. <laughs> we got Jesus and we got the Holy Spirit alive on the inside of us. We don't need all them years, God. Now take us to the next step. And in our life, we think it's not going to be manna. Now we're looking for quail and all kinds of good stuff. And God says, no, just start giving your manna away. Not just your money, not just your time, not just your thanks. Start giving your life away. Start giving your seeds away. Start giving. That's whole, this whole message. Joy. Start giving it away. You won't run out of joy. You make people laugh and you make people smile and you bring the joy in the Lord into situations. That will only increase in your life. See, you bring love into situations. That will only increase. Love melts the hardest heart. You bring light into a situation, begin to light the lights that are around you, that just gets brighter. And I'm telling you, you bring the life of God into situations, into people's lives, you pour that out, that harvest of abundant life will be bigger and greater in your life than you have ever imagined. It happens. It's not our life anyway. Galatians 2.20. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. That's the whole idea, right? It's this idea that says, I've been crucified with Christ. That's about being a Christian. He says, take up your cross and follow me. It's, it's about this idea that says, man, I was just as nailed to the cross as he was. That's the whole, baptism's the whole idea that says, man, I went down, uh, uh, I went down a sinner, but I came up different. Why? Well, Jesus went down in sin. He did not sin himself, but he was, he was surrounded by it. And he took our sins on his back and he went to the grave. And three days later, he arose free from all of that junk. It says he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And it says, we have, see, now we have, if you can go through and read Romans and Hebrews, I mean, it begins to explain this whole idea. I don't have time to go through all the scriptures that talk about this idea that we are identifying with him and the fact that he died on the cross. We have been crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. He wasn't just talking about himself, but it's the experience of being born again. And we have been crucified with Christ ourselves. What comes with that? The opportunity not to live our life anymore, but to live the life that he planted on the inside of us. And that life is better than the one that we had better and every day it gets better when you plant it but when you try to hold on to it it says he who loves his life will lose it but he who gives his life and doesn't care and dies to self he will reap that everlasting life it says it's no longer i who live but christ who lives in me and the life that i now live in the flesh i live by the faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me there is nothing that can stop me see nothing that can hold me back this is a good life It's a good life. That's, uh, that's the One Republic. That's Ryan Tedder, our, our, my brother's brother-in-law. It's a good, good life. You know that song? Yeah, yeah all the kids know that song. Yeah, it's, uh, there's a couple bad words in that, though, so don't go by that. But it's, it's that idea that says, we, we, you know, he, he sings this song. And it, it really, I didn't send it in my mind, but he sings this song about the good life. And really what has happened, I talked about him years ago. He went from nothing to being like the, the biggest star around. I mean, this guy, he's just... He's everywhere, and, 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 his, and he just jet sets around and just, just performs and just does his thing. And it, the song is about living that good life. We really, truly have the good life. I mean, always, every day. Every day, we, I mean, I, I am just amazed. I'm sure when you wake up and we get out of ourselves and stop thinking about where we are and what's happening, and we start thinking about the goodness of God and what he's done for us, we realize that we've got a good life. Because we're living the life that God has put on the inside of us. And if we don't see that, and if we don't go there, then something on the inside of us has started to go down. Some, the light has started to dim. Maybe the love has started to leave, and the joy has waned, and the life, it seems, is fleeting on the inside of us. 
But I tell you that life can come back again. So you're not alone. David, he faced a great situation when he came to Ziklag with his friends. He had just come back from battle, and when he came and Samuel, it says, now David was greatly distressed. When he came back, all their people had been taken. All the women and children had been taken, and their place had been burned, and all the guys were turning on him in this situation. But it goes on and it says, he was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But it says, David did what? He strengthened himself in the Lord. There is hope, but the hope is not in you, and the hope is not in your situation changing. Your hope is in the Lord. So your hope is leaning into and onto that life. The next scriptures that goes on says he finally, as he was getting ready to strengthen himself in the Lord, realized who he was. And he said, bring me the ephod. Because that meant something. That was his position and who he was. He said, please bring me the ephod here to me. And it says they brought the ephod to him. And then David went to the Lord in the next scripture. It says, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And it said that God answered him and said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. But it wasn't that you're going to recover all and gain your strength. It wasn't that you're going to recover all and everything's going to be okay. It said he strengthened himself in the Lord, remembered who he was, put on his ephod that represented the fact that he was the priest, and we are now the new priests and kings in this world. It says so in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says we are his priest, his royal priesthood, a holy generation. That's who we are. Remember that you got an ephod. Because part of that, the enemy will come to steal that from you. Why? Because it's seed that you can't plant. And when he steals that seed from you, you can't plant it. And if you can't plant that life, then you don't have that opportunity to reap that abundance. And he will try to snuff it out in your life. But I tell you what, Jesus didn't come just to bring life. He came to resurrect life too. You want to come? In John in chapter 11, and we'll close with this. Starts in verse 17, really the story. Actually, the story starts before that. But this part about being the resurrection and the life starts in verse 17. And the situation is this Jesus is gone, he's kind of doing his thing, and they've come to him and said, The guy that you really like, you know, he's dead. You know, you love this guy, you love this cat, Lazarus, but he's he's dead. And Jesus tried to tell him he's not dead, he's sleeping, no, he's gonna be all right. No, nobody got his stuff. I even even to hear they didn't get his stuff. See, how many of you have been in the church a long time and sometimes you just forget? Sometimes you just need to be reminded. Sometimes you just got to look in the closet and see the ephod. And boy, that just stirs you. Why? Because now you remember, I got the life of God on the inside of me. There's nothing that the devil can do to stop me. Take me out. I'm going to live forever with him. You don't have an opportunity to torment me. I'm a child of God. I'm above that. And see, sometimes I think we're a little bit like Lazarus. Sometimes we're laid in that tomb. Something on the inside of you is either dying or maybe it's died. Maybe it's the joy, the love, the light, whatever it is. But don't let it be the life. Don't let it be the life. Why? Because that's really truly what he came to give. And all those other things spring from the life. And if the enemy can begin to steal that from you. If he begins to, if he begins to get your eyes focused on something, if he begins to, you begin to think that it's over, that it's not going to happen, that it's never going to be that way. See, he begins to steal your dream for yourself. He begins to steal your dream for your kids. He begins to try to steal your dream for you financially. He begins to try to steal your dream for your future. 
begins to tell you that you can't do that, you can't be that, that it's never going to happen. There was a baby in a manger that came, so it would happen. We celebrate that. And when Jesus began to talk, see, it wasn't just the fact that he gave life at that day. The devil will tell you that that day was a long time ago that you stood at that altar and you gave his heart to him. And too much water has passed under the bridge. Too much stuff has gone the other way. You've done too much that your life is over, that it's just going to be like this forever. It's not. It doesn't have to be. We were just in Atlanta, Elizabeth and I. We just went for the night. It's odd, I know. <laughs> she has a niece that lives there. And I needed a, we just, we found a cheap ticket and just, we were just going to go. We're not the jet set, but we just, we just I, I was going to go myself. And then at the last minute as I was getting ready to buy the ticket, I was just going to go and just spend the night down there and just come home. But as I was getting ready to go, I, 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 I God just told me you need to get a ticket for her. And I thought, well, yeah, it's my birthday. You know, we'll get to go. And, uh, but you know what God does? He takes these opportunities and He plants you in situations of devastation. So we jump on the plane and we go down there. And we're, 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 we're there in this place. And I'm telling you, their, their life, it, it looks like it's such a... It's, you know, from the outside, it looks so great. But I'm telling you, on the inside, when you sit there, there is, there, there is there, the devil is killing them. And he needed somebody to go and just be life. Will you go and just be hope? Will you go and just bring love? Will you come and just bring joy? There's enough sorrow. There's enough hate. There's enough going on in that house for a, for a, for a whole neighborhood. They don't need that. They need what you got. Will you just go? Will you just go and just sit there and be there? Will you bring my presence into that house? Will you bring my love into their life? Will you bring my life? Because what they don't have is life. And they're getting ready to face a situation where they, I'm telling you, they have made the decision that it's just going to be this way, miserable and awful forever. And they're young people. She gets ready to go out with her niece and she says before she leaves, she just comes and gives me a kiss as I'm getting ready for the message. She just says, just pray for an opportunity. I tell you what, if you'll have that attitude, God will give you an opportunity. And when he gives you an opportunity, plant life. Why? Because what does that do? It not just brings life, it takes that dead part on the inside and resurrects life. He wants to resurrect something in you today. Get your joy on. Get your joy on. Resurrection in your life for you. For you, it is not over. See, she said when Jesus said, do you believe? Jesus told her, do you believe that I'm the resurrection? Do you believe that you'll see your brother again? She said, oh, in the day. She said, oh, in the day, in the, in the new coming, yes, he will be resurrected. And Jesus said, you got to believe it's more than just in the day. Stand up with me because this is for you, I'm telling you. you got to get a hold of this. It's not just in the day. You're too young to think about in the day. See, Jesus told her. He said, hey, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, you will see him again. 
He said, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me, he shall never die. See, he comes not just to bring life, but when the enemy begins to steal that peace from you, he resurrect that thing in you again and 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 again. I'm telling you, it's not Christmas isn't just about a baby in a manger. It's about resurrection life. Yes, that is good stuff for us. And I want to pray for you. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.